0: I think all of us typically like to use small words. We don't like big words typically. We usually uh, would prefer words, and I think in our normal daily conversation, we probably use words of two or three syllables rather than five or six syllables. We usually shy away from big words. But let me tell you a big word that I think we all know. The word procrastination, five-syllable word, procrastination, We know that word. That's a big word. We don't usually use a lot of big words, but we know that word, don't we? We know it to mean putting off doing what we ought to be doing. We know that word. The reason we know procrastination, of course, is because we all do it. This morning we want to talk about procrastination, and we want to base our considerations on a, a familiar Bible text. But before we get to that, let me stop here for a minute to add words of welcome to those that Lee already expressed We are glad that you're here. We have a great Lord's Day, uh, and we are blessed to be together to worship and honor and glorify God, as James prayed a few moments ago. Uh, We're glad that we have this opportunity. We pray more than anything else that God will be glorified by what we do this morning. But it, it is important for us to be built up, encouraged, edified, instructed in godly things, and we hope that will be accomplished, too. We're so glad to be able to be together. We've got visitors today. Thanks for coming. Please come again every time you have a chance to be here and ask any questions you might have about what we're doing here at College View. Thanks for being here. Let's talk about procrastination. And as a background to that discussion, we want to go to that text that Damon read for us a few moments ago about one of the plagues that came upon the Egyptians. In Exodus chapter 8, as Damon read in the first verses of that chapter, A plague of frogs was to come upon the Egyptians and actually did so. Uh, Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, verse 6, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. In verse 7, the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, "Uh, Glory over me, When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and from thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he, Pharaoh, said, Tomorrow. Tomorrow? Wait a minute. I want you to think about that with me a minute. Basically, Pharaoh was saying, I want to spend another night with these frogs. Another night, another night with the frogs. Can you imagine that? Um, frogs are pretty nasty creatures, I suppose. There's some—I I know there's certain individuals in our number this morning that would be absolutely grossed out at the thought of a house full of frogs in everything. I think we probably all would. It was a horrible plague that came upon uh, the Egyptians. Why would Pharaoh say, "I want these frogs out here"? Do it tomorrow. Basically, let me spend another night with these. Well, I think the answer to that is the word that we were discussing a minute ago is the idea of procrastination. He wanted to put off doing what he didn't really want to do. He knew that God was instructing him through the hand of Moses to let the children of Israel go. And he absolutely did not want to do that. He did not want to obey God. Perhaps he thought in his heart that maybe by this time tomorrow something else will have happened and the frog thing won't be such an issue anymore. He put off doing what we know he was supposed to do. It's so easy to see his error, isn't it? What an incredible thing. What a crazy thing. How could he be so foolish? But I want to suggest to you that men today, we, us today, we still do some of that same sort of thing. Here's the principle that we're talking about. We often continue in rebellion of God's will even when the immediate consequences of our sins are plaguing us. Would you agree to that? We keep on doing, we won't stop, we procrastinate doing the right thing, even when sometimes we are being plagued with the consequences of our deeds. Let me give you a few examples of what I have in mind. For instance, what about the sins of immorality that are so common in our world today? What do you think of when I say the word AIDS? Well, I think horrible pictures come to mind. You see pictures of victims, those who are suffering from that terrible disease. And we know that an overwhelming majority of the people who have AIDS in our world contract that disease uh, by the practice of homosexuality. And yet, those who engage in that sin continue to practice that even with the threat of the dangers of disease that are prevalent, they continue to do that, and they do that knowing that God has condemned that sin. In Romans chapter 1, verse 27, Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. Notice, they're receiving the recompense of their error, and yet they continue on anyway. They're suffering. They're suffering hardship because of their sin, but they are determined not to obey God. They're going to continue in that. Would you say this is a case, a, an extreme case of sort of the same thing that Pharaoh was doing? Just let me spend one more night here. One more night with the frog. The homosexual, as he continues to practice his sin, defying God's will, says, just let me continue here. I'll bear this. Just let this go on for one more night. Someone says, well, I'm not a homosexual, obviously. I, I, I don't engage in that sort of thing. That doesn't pertain to me, does it? Well, there are all other kinds of immorality, sexual immorality, prevalent in our world. In First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Homosexuality is just one form of fornication or sexual immorality. Uh, And there's way too many people practicing that, of course, but there's way more, multitudes more, that are practicing all kinds of other immorality that God's law says don't do. But they continue in doing it. And sometimes they continue in doing that even when that practice of their sin is wreaking havoc in their life. They're suffering all kinds of trouble in their families, in their personal life, maybe in their jobs. But they're going to continue in their immorality no matter what, at least for a while. And again, the principle that we're discussing here is that we put off doing what we know we should do in defiance of God's will, even sometimes when we're suffering from the consequence of that. Well, maybe for those of us here this morning, we would say, well, I'm not in that camp either. I'm not a homosexual, and I don't commit these other sins of sexual immorality. That's not that's not me, so you're not talking to me, preacher. Well, there's other things too, right? In Galatians chapter 5, beginning verse 19, we've studied so often the listing of the works of the flesh that the Apostle Paul made there. We won't go take time to go through all of that, but notice he mentions adultery and fornication along the lines of what we were just discussing. But he also mentions the sin of lasciviousness, things which incite lust in us or in others. Maybe that's our problem. Maybe we maybe we're not literally committing adultery or fornication. But I tell you this is becoming a bigger and bigger problem, even among God's own people. Doing things, looking at things that incite in us lewd and lustful thoughts. Lasciviousness is the word. We do it by watching things on TV we shouldn't watch, going to movies we shouldn't go to, by getting on the Internet and looking at things that we shouldn't be seeing. You know, the Internet is such a plague. And so we look at that, and we soak it in, and we're troubled by it, we're really plagued by it, but we don't give it up. We're suffering, but we don't give it up. What do you think about that? Isn't that still the same sort of thing? And so, we can look at Pharaoh and say, how in the world would Pharaoh say, let me just spend at least one more night with the frogs before you take them away? We get involved in immorality and we're plagued by it. But we don't give it up. We procrastinate and put it off. Well, you can make the application to whole lots of other areas. What about some bad habits that people have? You know, if I was to uh, mention just... Bad habit. Name a bad habit. I go, We go around, we take a, a survey. Name a bad habit. I think probably one that comes up in a lot of people's mind, a bad habit of smoking, you know, smoking tobacco. I'm glad to say that I, I don't see people smoking tobacco as much as they used to. There's still plenty of people who do. But among Christians especially, it's not nearly as prevalent as it used to be. I know one place that I used to preach, in between Bible class and worship, men would step out on the sidewalk and smoke cigarettes and... and even people, visitors who were arriving at service would have to walk through a cloud of smoke to get in the door. Well, I'm grateful to say that's not the case anymore, you know. And so, at least among Christians, there's a bad habit that is not so frequently practiced. But there are plenty of other bad habits we could mention. What about bad language? What about saying things we shouldn't say? What about curse words and oaths and so forth? What about that? Uh You know. I'm sad to say that I've heard too often Christians using that sort of language, bad language, they know that that's not right. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, "...let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man." We're supposed to be careful with our words. Answering people carefully so that we can have a good influence upon them. But I'm sad to say there's some Christians who don't do that. And they lash out with words of rage and anger even using curse words to describe uh, their, their horrible mindset. And, and when they do that, they suffer the consequences of it. Relationships are harmed. Families are damaged. And yet they keep on speaking in such terms, even while they're plagued with the consequences of their bad habit. It's a bad habit. Someone says, Well, I don't curse and I don't and, and typically I don't I don't lash out with words of rage. But maybe your problem is gossip. Maybe you gossip. We've had evidence of that, even recent evidences, among our own number, of people engaging in the sin of gossip. And great harm results from it. And those who do the gossiping often suffer from it. Certainly their example and influence is damaged tremendously. And yet they keep on doing it. Even while they suffer the consequences of it, they keep on doing that. I want to tell you, that's very similar, uh, to Pharaoh, who said, just let me spend another night with the frogs, I guess. I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop doing that. Not now. I'm going to put it off. I'm going to procrastinate a little longer. We could add, we could just keep adding to the list. I, I, I think the applications of this principle are just endless, nearly. What about our so-called Christian duties? I'm using that term real broadly. Some of the things that as Christians we're supposed to do that we that we don't do. And we suffer because we don't do what we know we're supposed to do. Uh, for instance, what about Bible study? 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. I know the word there suggests the idea of giving diligence, which I believe would include Bible study. Uh, I know I should. In fact, I struggle because I don't spend enough time in the Bible, and people ask me questions, and they they, uh, they threaten my faith, and I'm not able to give a good answer. And I know I should study more, but I just I, I'm just putting that off. You know, isn't that what we do? Isn't that procrastination while we suffer the consequences? How about growing? We're supposed to be growing as Christians. Second Peter three verse eighteen: Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That, I haven't been growing. And I, I would tell you, someone says, "Here's a Christian." He said, "I, I admit that I haven't grown much, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not stronger than I was last year, or five years ago, or ten years ago. In fact, I may even be weaker as a Christian, and it hurts me. And I wish I could do better. I, and someday I intend to do better." Procrastinate. Or what about? teaching others. The great commission still applies to us. Matthew 28:19, go ye therefore, teach all nations. I know I should be teaching my neighbor. I know I should be teaching that guy I work with. You know, we've been working together for the last 20 years. And we have coffee breaks and lunch breaks together every day of the week. He's he I know him better than I know most anybody else. We're actually real good friends. And it really hurts me to know that he's not a Christian. And that he'll be lost if he dies in this condition. And I really should talk to him, but I haven't talked to him. I keep putting it off. It really bothers me to think of the situation that he's in, but I haven't done anything to change it. One more night with the frogs. Or what about forsaking the assembly? Hebrews 10.25, we know it so well. I shouldn't miss the services. I know I shouldn't miss the services it really tears me up when I do because I know that my influence and examples with others is hurt by that. Uh, I just should do better. And I'm, 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 I really have a guilty conscience when I miss services, but I just keep on doing it. One more night with the frogs. you see how this works? You, you look at Pharaoh. It's so clear. That guy must have been crazy. One more night with the frogs. What do you mean one more night with the frogs? One more night with the frogs. Put off doing. Notice, again, I want to keep stressing this is the principle. We continue in rebellion against God's will, even when the immediate circumstances are giving us all kinds of grief, but we keep putting off doing what we're supposed to do. I think probably the, the perhaps most pertinent application of this principle is to those who haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ. And I'm, I'm especially here talking about those who know what God's plan for our lives is. They, In fact, I'm talking about people who could answer, if you asked them the question, what must I do to be saved, they could tell you. They know the answer to that question. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. And yet there are those who have not done that Uh, and keep postponing, putting it off, even though they're really troubled, knowing that they should and haven't. What about those non-Christians who haven't obeyed the gospel? To them, I think the pertinent question would be what Ananias asked Saul of Tarsus, Acts 22, verse 16, Now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Don't put it off. We could expand that to talk about those who are Christians already, who have now been living faithfully, who need to come back to the Lord in repentance and confession. Why spend another night with the frogs? Well, again, we, could, we often suffer the immediate consequences of disobeying God. Uh, and and the, the immediate consequences ought to be reason enough for us to change but you've got to think about the long-term effects as well. The long-term effects as well. You know what happens when we keep saying no to God's call? When we keep saying no, when we know we should be doing what He tells us to I'm going to go back with you. If you've still got your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 8, where we were reading earlier, notice what happened when the, the next day, Pharaoh spent the night with the frogs, but the next day the frogs went away. Notice what happens in Acts 8, verse 12. Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps and land stake. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. Pharaoh hardened his heart. When, when the immediate consequence was taken away, the frogs, they took them away. There still, those heaps of stinking frogs were still a problem in the land, but at least they weren't in his bed and weren't in his mixing bowls and his kitchen. And so, when the immediate consequence was relieved, what did he do? He hardened his heart and he would not obey. You know, that's the danger with us. When we keep putting off doing what we know God wants us to do, the problem is that when the immediate consequences are removed, we often, like Pharaoh, harden our hearts. And we can't afford to do that. In John chapter 5, beginning verse 28, Jesus said, "Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. There's... A judgment coming. And you can postpone and put off. Maybe you can sear your conscience to where it doesn't bother you that much anymore. Maybe you can get over some of the immediate kind of consequences that we've been trying to discuss in our lesson this morning. But I tell you, you won't get past the eternal consequence of refusing to obey God. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says simply, "...it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment." Judgment is coming. Are you ready for that judgment? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ as we were mentioning a minute ago? What must I do to be saved? Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, but you know that truth, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you know that you're out of step with God, and you're not faithful, And if you were to die in this present condition, you'd be lost. Why would you continue in that situation one more night with the frogs? Why? Don't stay there. Come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.